please turn with me in God's holy word to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 20. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 20 will be our text here this evening. And our title is, The Word Gives Life. The Word Gives Life. We live in a day, as the people of God, of small things. Especially when you consider previous generations and the blessings that the Lord has poured out upon this part of the world. But much is changing, isn't it? The church, and especially in the nation, many things are changing. So we face possibly dangers or greater dangers than previous generations may have faced, asking ourselves, where is our confidence today? Is it in the word of the living God? The text that we're going to be looking at here this evening from verses 1 to verse number 20 of Mark chapter 4 deals with the parable of the sower sowing seed. And parables, as we see in scripture, are stories, but they're more than just colorful stories or flowering stories or other things like that. It's there to show some and to to conceal to others. If you look at the parables, they show to the people of God the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but they conceal before those who are without the kingdom of God. These parables speak of something that requires great patience. As we read through the scriptures earlier, we, we talked about and we were looking at the sowing of seed. And the sowing of seed in a field or growing of anything requires great patience. Great patience. I remember when I was young, My brother was uh, very much into fishing and I too tried to get into fishing, but I struggled with it for one main major reason. I lacked patience. For fishing, you need patience. For farming, you need even far more patience. And for the work of the kingdom of God, we need even more patience to see the fruit of the seed at work. Fruit, evidence of life, evidence that there's something wonderful happening underneath the ground to show us that there is life. Sowing the seed, the word of God. And when we see signs of life, we are rightly encouraged. And we wait and we toil And we can have many reasons when we look at the fruit around in our day. There might be reason, much reason for discouragement. We may look around and say, well, there's poor fruit. Or in some places, no fruit. Or little fruit. Or unexpected fruit. We also have revival. That doesn't always happen. So in this time... 
We must not lose confidence in the seed. We must not lose confidence in the word of God. So as we look at the seed and the planting in this different ground, may we see the problem is not the word of the living God that brings life. The difference is the types of soil. So let us not lose confidence in the word of the living God. Our first point here this evening is the seed. Number one, the seed. Verses one to three. And he began, this is Jesus again, to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude. So that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. Jesus is teaching here in what is called the sea. This is the sea of Galilee or the sea of Tiberias as it was called later. And he's teaching a great multitude there. Verse 2, and he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And verse number 14 tells us what the seed is. The sower soweth the word. The sower soweth the word. So we have here a picture or a parable which is all about the word of God. How it is received in the various soils we see in our text, but it is all about the word of God. The seed finds itself in various different types of ground. And why is it found in various different types of ground? It is to be spread everywhere. It is to be spread in all sorts of soil types. It is to be shared freely, as it says in Mark 16, And verse number 15, Mark 16 and verse number 15. And he said unto them, this is Jesus speaking, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature, young, old, rich, poor, religious, non-religious, everyone. Share the truth with everyone freely. We may try to think of a type of person that may be easier to witness to than others. We may think that there's certain soil types that are easier to reach with the gospel. Well, friends, without the spirit of Almighty God, none of us have any hope. We may think that there are some groups of people are friendlier than others. Some people with a certain background more than others. People may even share the same interests as you. Now, continue to witness to those people, dear friends. If you're witnessing to a certain group of people, that is wonderful. Continue in that. But share the truth with everyone. Everyone, wherever the Lord provides you with opportunity. There is nothing wrong, as we see in this parable, with the seed. The seed is not the problem. And we also don't know what is going on underneath the surface, do we? We won't know for a very long time what crop, what 
harvest will be brought up later. You see, in a lot of ways, we don't need to be clever, do we, with the the sowing of the seed. We need to plant. We need to water. We need to be faithful. We need to do so lovingly and wisely, trusting that it, the word of God, brings life. Brings life for that person who receives it and trusts it. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And in this, we see the seed spread in different areas, in different situations. The problem is never the seed. The difference is its reception. The goodness of the seed, the power of the seed is not in any way diminished. It does exactly as it means to do. There is life given by the seed. Verse 8 of our text in Mark chapter 4 Verse 8, and other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30 and some 60 and some 100. Now Jesus is speaking on the Sea of Galilee, on the water, he's speaking to many different people in front of him. And of this great multitude, how many of them before him truly believed? We can't be sure of an exact number, but did they all believe? Well, from the Gospel of Mark, we know that Jesus said many, many times, tell no one. If you look up to the end of Mark chapter 8, he says that many times. When they see that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. They weren't ready because they didn't understand who the Christ was. There were problems in that day. They were seeking for the wrong Christ. They were looking for the Christ, you could say, of their own imagination. They were looking for the Christ who would bring them deliverance from the Romans and remove them. What they needed to see this great multitude before him was that they needed to love this seed. They needed to love the word. See, they thought they were fine. Many of them. And they were taught in parables because many of them didn't understand it. Later on, Jesus explained it to his disciples who stayed around. But many of them did not understand that they were in trouble. In a religious and a hardened generation. Friends, we need to trust the word in our day. We may be surrounded by so many sad examples. People and churches and the state and everything else losing confidence in the word of God. We must never lose confidence in the word of God. The word of God, that seed brings life. So we've looked at the seed. Number two now, look at the soil. 
the soil. In our text, there are four types of soil spoken about. In verse number four, there's the the wayside ground. This is kind of almost like a a side road or a footpath. Number two, a kind of a stony ground, verse five. In verse number seven, there's thorny ground. And of those three types of ground, there's no fruit brought unto completion. The first three really don't produce fruit. And the first three, there's really no crop. It's only in the fourth type, verse number eight, that there's growth. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit. Only in that soil was there lasting fruit. What's the difference? The soil. The soil. The reception of the seed. Now many in those days planted seed. Many of them worked with the land. And we still have many who do today. Still work on the land. And they listened to Jesus. And they understood the picture. But yet they didn't. They failed to see. They did what they did with the with the Old Testament, they heard it with their physical ears, but they didn't hear it with their hearts. They didn't really believe. The lack of good fruit was not in any way to do with the powerlessness of the word of God, not at all. But it was the reception of it, the difference was. How many would listen with physical ears, but it would not impact their lives. If you go to Isaiah chapter 1, one of the major things that you'll see is they did many of the religious activities outwardly, but their lives were a complete contradiction of what they claimed to believe. They treated the widow and the orphan and others horribly, and it showed their lack of love for God and a lack of love for their neighbor. See, many of the multitude that were there did not see themselves as part of those three, first three soils. They didn't understand. Verse number 12 in our text, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven. Many of them there did not even think that they needed To be forgiven at all. And isn't it a dangerous thing, friends? The root of self-righteousness. Paul labors diligently in that letter to the Romans. Pointing out that both Jew and Gentile are all under sin. All of us are sinners. Regardless of our backgrounds. Regardless of what family we grew up in. We have all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have been born in Adam and we need the, the perfect righteousness of the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. His perfect righteousness imputed to our account. What did John the Baptist say to many of them in that generation? Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 7. Matthew chapter 3. And verse number 7 and 8. 
But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. The Sadducees, you might understand, they were seen as traitors by many, but the Pharisees were well respected in their day. If anyone was going to heaven, it was a Pharisee. But John the Baptist said that to them. Because their fruit very much denied what they professed to believe. The parable we see here, Jesus is speaking here. He's saying that he's teaching in parables. Why? To show unto you, it says in verse 11, and he said, said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, others, all these things are done in parables. All these things are done in parables. It was a tremendous blessing to the believer. Jesus reveals and shows and teaches. He shows it to them from verses 14 to 20. But he conceals it to those who remain in unbelief. There is a mixed multitude here. There are those who believe. And there are those who do not. There are those who are without. And that seems very strange to them. You see, you'll even go to many churches today. If you suggest that even in the best of churches, and this is true, and our confession of faith bears this out, chapter 25, the purest churches on earth are subject to mixture and error. Mixture. There are tares among the wheat. There, are, there is a mixed multitude. And so the gospel must always be preached among the people of God. And see, the question is, have you received the word of God with gladness? Which soil is your heart? Is it the first three? Or is it the fourth one? Which speaks of receiving it with gladness and bringing forth fruit because you have loved what you have heard. Number three now, we've looked at the seed, the soil. Number three now, the seductions. The seductions. Jesus in his parable speaks of a number of things that draw people away from the word of God. From this precious, life-giving seed. And all of these first three soils that we looked at all appear to many people as religious. That may seem surprising to you, but even the first one that fell among the wayside. Verse number 15. And these were they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And you may say, well, how does that in any way seem religious to any person? And I use the term religious in a good sense here. Well, hear what it says. Hear what Jesus says. It was sown in their hearts. They heard the word. They came to the service. They heard the word preached. 
And to some people, they may say, well, they came, they heard, didn't they? In one sense, they did. And in another sense, they didn't. This first seed we see here, this soil is indifferent. It's cold and it's external. And they may come and endure the word preached. They do not receive it with gladness, like the fourth seed. Verse 4, it says, And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came up and devoured it up. It's a very vivid picture, isn't it? You see these fowls of the air, these birds coming down and removing the seed before it can have any effect in the ground at all. They hear the word, but they do not obey the word in the way that it matters. As soon as it reaches them, it's gone. There's a cold indifference in this first one. Satan snatches it away before it can have any effect in their hearts. You may call them today nominal Christians. Or could we say Christians in name only. They'll be there many times. But if you examine the fruit of the rest of their lives, there's no indication that there's any love for God and his word. They hear the word but they've likely forgotten it as soon as they've heard it. Isn't that a scary thought? To have no interest, to to sit under the preaching of the word of God, but to have no interest in it. Can that happen? Were there people in the multitudes that were there before Jesus, part of that seed? Absolutely. And they heard him, but yet did not hear him. Does that not happen? In many churches across this land. They hear it, but they have no love for it. It is like water being poured upon a stone. It has no life, no growth coming out from it. Friend, I pray that is not you. The devil wants to snatch away the word so it has no impact on your heart. And this first seed, this first one, is distracted. And the devil would wish even for the true believer, the believer in Jesus Christ. We can all be distracted, can't we? With so many things, with the bad news in media and whatever things are taking place. With the anxieties and the things that would cause us to lose sleep. The devil wants us distracted. He wants us away from the word. God. Do you see his tactics? So often, he can't make us lose our salvation, believer in Christ. He can't make you lose your salvation, but he can surely distract you. In the same way, he distracts many unbelievers and, and snatches away the word before it can have any impact. But there's also other seductions. Spoken about here in our text. And a seduction is an attraction, a temptation. Verses 5 and 6 talks about a different seduction. And some fell on stony ground, and where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was come up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Signs of life 
but because there was nothing really underneath the ground, it did not survive the heat of the sun. This is the picture. And what is this a picture of? This is a picture of, and we don't have to guess because Jesus tells us, he says in verse number 17, yes, they received the word with gladness, but verse number 17, and had no root in themselves and so endured but for a time. A time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. What is described here are those people who will hear the word of God and perhaps you've, you've met people like this. They've made professions of faith. They seem to be quite excited about the truth. They're on a high emotionally. But all of a sudden, as soon as there's any opposition, they are offended. And we discover, tragically and heartbreakingly, there's no root there at all. It doesn't last until that person will go on to the next emotional high. Temporary impressions. It, they may even listen to a very good preacher. And they may even weep over their sins. But unless God has done a work in their hearts. They may have tasted to a degree the heavenly gift. But yet without being born, truly born again. And there's a third seduction here, third attraction for those who are drawn away from the word of God. In verse number 19, the third type of soil talks about another attraction or seduction and the cares of the world, verse 19, and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. And this one is particularly difficult because there's a sense in which they assent, they believe these things. They, they understand quite a lot and they actually do assent to the truth. They believe these things to be true, but they've never really trusted and put their faith in Jesus Christ. There is a type of faith that knows the truth, knows that the truth is factually correct, but at the same time, they have a greater love for the world. Look at what it says, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things. They have so many idols that they're drawn away from the word of God. This, I might say, is probably the most promising when someone professes to believe. But the fruit does not come forward to completion. They're more attracted to the cares of this world. They are so fixated and focused upon the word and upon the world rather than the word. First John chapter two and verse nineteen. First John chapter two and verse number nineteen. And they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest, that they were not all of us. So there are seductions. And these are not simply things that the unbeliever 
is tempted by. These things can happen too to the believer. We too, yes, we may be walking in that narrow way that leadeth unto life and few there be that find it, but yet can we be drawn away from the word of God for a season? Yes, we can. And we must be careful. We must, when we identify these things in our lives, not play with sin, not play with fire, but put these things to death. Friends, we fight a very, very difficult battle. And the Bible describes it like a war. And we are soldiers in the Lord's army. He's called the Lord of hosts. And it is a difficult battle. And there are many tactics used by the enemy against the people of God. Not just the unbeliever. Let us not think that we are beyond any of the things that have been mentioned here. And this is why we must be on our guard. For Satan is a roaring lion who seeketh who he may devour. Our fourth and final point is the solution. The solution. So we've looked at the seed, which is the word of God. The soil, there's these different receptions. The hearts, really, you could say, is different. The seductions, what draws them ultimately away from the word of God. And finally, number four, the solution. Well, we've seen what prevents fruit coming. Well, what's the solution? We need to look at positive truth now. Verse number eight, down to verse number 10. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30 and some 60 and some 100 and said unto them, he that had ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the 12 asked of him, the parable. You see this. The good ground. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. And then his, the twelve remain with him. And he explains it to them. The solution. How is this possible? How is it possible to receive the word as is spoken about in this fourth type of soil? That type of soil which has not been choked by the cares of the world, by the deceitfulness of riches, by the thorns described in the third, to have Satan snatch away the word of God from our hearts, to have what happens as well in the other soil. How is this possible? Are we the difference? Not at all. What makes the difference in the soil is God. What makes a difference in our hearts is God. We are all those first three soils by nature. We are all in Adam dead until we've been made alive from on high. The solution is God, looking unto God, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It is through him we have life. It is through him we see and hear and love him. Because without eyes to see and ears to hear, we don't see that he is lovely, the Lord Jesus Christ. Without eyes to see and ears to hear, we don't see that sin is sinful. We just think sin is a, a mistake, an innocent mistake, rather than something against the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What do we need to see? That the word of God gives life. 
It is wonderful that we cherish the word of the living God. It is the word that has been sown in our hearts. The solution, friends, is the word of God. The solution is the Lord Jesus Christ. The solution is that seed working in our hearts. Verse number 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground. Such as hear the word. Hear the word. And receive it. And bring forth fruit. Some 30, some 60, and some 100. Not just that they hear it with their physical ears. Friend, we need to hear it. And trust it. Receive it by faith. See Jesus by faith. Love what we hear by faith. And also, as we look at this, as we look at Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, we ought to be careful as we talk about fruit. Look at what it says at the end of verse 20. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. We're all different. We're all at different points of our Christian walk. Some of us have been saved a little bit longer than others. Some of us. And also. What I'm trying to say here is. We shouldn't compare ourselves with others. You may compare yourself. With a person you think is. Mr. or Mrs. 100 fold. That Christian you think has everything right. Friends you don't know the struggles that they go through. You don't know the challenges. God knows. The important point is that you have fruit and that you are growing. The Lord knows how much fruit we have or do not have, but the important thing is we have fruit. Evidence of life. And your confidence is not in the amount of fruit, it is in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him and Him alone. You see, we're not all going to be the same. The amount of fruit or evidence of life will not be the same in every single believer. We've got to be careful that we either don't become prideful or arrogant and think, well, I have more fruit than someone else. Or become crushed and lose our assurance of salvation because we think we have far less fruit than another person. Don't compare yourself with other people. You don't know what that person goes through when the door is shut in their home. In conclusion, Christ is the solution. Christ is the word of God. Christ brings life to a dead sinner. How can any of us receive the truth? The spirit of almighty God. We need the word of God. And friends, we need to have confidence in the word of God once again. If we're going to share the truth with our lost neighbors, if we're going to in, maybe invite them to church or whatever is done, we must have confidence in the seed. Because if we don't have confidence in the seed, we will drift away from that seed and abandon it and go on to other methods. We have seen it happen, haven't we? Many churches in the past that were very faithful to the word of God. Today, sadly, no longer the case. We ourselves must have confidence in the seed 
to bring life. And not just even to point at others. Look at ourselves first. Love it. Learn it. Meditate upon it. Hide this truth in our hearts. Love it with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is the the voice of the shepherd. And when we spot any of those things we've looked at, any of these seductions that lead us away from that word, we must declare war on them. Anything that would take you away from the one you love is a danger. We're so careful in our homes today smoke alarms and all these detectors and we should be this is a good thing but are we more vigilant against the world the flesh and the devil far far more dangerous than any smoke far far more dangerous than any fire in our home because it involves our soul and our eternal destiny be putting sin to death and Grow closer to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Let us stand and pray before Almighty God.